Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Jimmy, for the songs and the prayer and all of you for your singing and teaching me. Do you want to mention to the brothers, as Don mentioned in the announcements in the bulletin, about October 13th, our second session for the brothers? Uh, and if you didn't come to the first one, that's okay. Uh, I encourage you to come out for that one, but if you want to come to that, please see me, because there is something that we're, uh, as I say in the article there, there's a little assignment for us to do. So uh, I encourage you to come. I think uh, everyone that was there last time had a, a good time, a... Uh, a learning time, it was a good time of fellowship, so I encourage you to uh, be at, come out for that. I'm going to talk about your favorite subject this morning. Well, we're all right in the middle of it, right? There's I is right in the middle of sin, right? Isn't that amazing how God does things like that? You've probably heard the little... Uh, Diddy, I guess you'd say. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and make you pay more than you wanted to pay. That's really true. Sin is a cruel taskmaster and a slaveholder. Jesus said in John 8, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who commits sin is a slave of sin. And uh, you know, sometimes we dabble in sin and think it's not going to hurt us. And that's really a dangerous thing to do. Because sin can just grab a hold of you and not let go. And... Uh, the devil, uh, devil plays for keeps. He plays a life and death game. And uh, we don't, we don't want to trifle with sin. Many people downplay its seriousness and they think it won't hurt and believe they can walk away anytime. And those are all lies. So this morning we want to talk about where sin leads. And we're going to work out of Genesis, as you can see from the scriptures. Uh, and uh, just putting together this lesson the way, uh, you know, give the Lord credit. All the things we're going to see here that happen as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, when they ate of the forbidden fruit, had never happened on the earth before. There are all the effects of sin, okay? And these are, the, these are the things that sin will bring. This is where sin leads us. These are the effects of sin. And so it's just, you know, that's what we want to see here as we open up these, the history here of man early on. This is what, what sin did. And has done and continues to do. So that's kind of the where we're going with this lesson. 
And uh, I hope you can grasp that and understand it, but then we're also going to see, and the Lord just gave me this this morning, how in every one of these situations, every one of these effects of sin, how when Jesus came, he came to counteract it. Amazing God we have. Amazing God. Genesis 3, and I'm going to start with verse 6, but we'll set this up. You know, this was when... uh, Adam and Eve were in the paradise, and in the presence of God, there had been no sin, you know, everything was great in the Garden of Eden there, no problems whatsoever, and then, of course, the serpent comes, and the serpent goes through his spiel there in the first part of Genesis 3, uh, you know, God said, you'll not eat of any tree and all that, and deceives Eve, and says, you know, you won't die, and so forth, and so she is... She listens to the serpent, and she is deceived by his words. She gives to her husband, and he eats. And this is where we pick it up in verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? As if he didn't know, but, you know, for this was for the man's good. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. So this is one of the first effects of sin. It leads to fear and to hiding from God. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there was no fear. Fear of anything. And man and the woman had access to God No problem talking with God. They were there in their pristine state, if you will. No problem whatsoever. But now that they have disobeyed and eaten of this forbidden fruit, now what do they do? They're afraid of their maker, and they hide from him. At least they try to hide. Try to hide in two ways. They make the fig leaf covering, and then they also hide among the trees, because they had disobeyed, they knew it, their conscience was activated. They knew they had done wrong. What a terrible state to be in. It's called guilt. Guilt. They'd never felt that before. Never before. They'd never tried to hide from God before. And they had not been afraid of anything. You know, the fear and the hiding go hand in hand when it comes to God. And today, people still try to hide from God, don't they? And people are afraid of God. Instead of just coming to God, they're afraid of Him. We all try to hide. So the people won't know 
the wrong we've done, the things we've done in our past. They won't know our weaknesses. They won't think badly of us. They won't reject us. They won't make fun of us. We were talking about some of this in our, our men's group the last time. We're afraid to be exposed. And how do we hide? We hide in dozens of ways. We just stay away from people sometimes, you know. We won't engage in conversation. We'll avoid certain situations. We change the subject. We blame shift. We lie. We just laugh it off. Oh, that's no big deal. Those are all ways of hiding. We won't face what we need to face, nor face God, nor face the people we need to face. So when we hide, we're actually trapped by our own sin, aren't we? We're trapped in this shroud of fear. That's what sin does. It makes us slaves. But then Jesus came. And what's he say? Fear not. Fear not. Come to me. And, okay, I know your sin. I know what you've done. I know what you're going to do. Don't be afraid. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Fear not. But sin, through sin, we fear God, we hide from God, we hide from one another. Second thought, let's read on in Genesis 3, verse 11. And he said... Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Sin brings division, blaming, and self-preservation. Never happened before. Ever do that? Not my fault, right? Not my fault. It was the woman. And God, even it was you because you gave me this woman. She was the one who gave me the fruit and you gave me the woman. We can sure point fingers. We're all guilty of it. You know, we just, when it falls to us and we know we've done it, it is so easy just to try to find a way to say, no, I didn't. We don't want to accept that responsibility. It's got to be something else, not me. Wow. Doing that, and you might call it a holier-than-thou attitude, sets up an instant barrier between us and God and between us and other people. It really does. When you try to, to throw the guilt on another person, guess what? That is not love. That is not even close to love. When you say, nah, you did it. You made me do it. No, that's not love. Not at all. So sin brings that division and that blaming and self-preservation. What did Jesus do? He, He came and took our sins, didn't he? And to try to 
in fact, to reconcile us back to God and bring us back together, didn't he? Right? That we were reading Ephesians, he broke down the wall of partition and made Jew and Gentile into one in the church. Love one another, forgive one another. That's the message. He came to counteract the sin that was brought into the world way back when. All right, Genesis 3.13. Sin leads to deception and bad choices. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. You know, I was working this through in my mind. I don't know if you ever thought about this. You know, the Satan tells half-truths here. He tells blatant lie. And she was deceived, and truly she was. Led from the truth, led into darkness of of the lie, of the falsehood, and of all that he said. But as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, what was, was it possible, what was her first sin here? You know, she was deceived and innate, but is not the first sin the fact that she chose to listen to the serpent to begin with, rather than listen to God? She doesn't know this serpent. She knows God. She knows what God said. But somehow she chooses to listen to the serpent. And by listening to the serpent, she is deceived. I think there's something there that we really need to, to consider. That when the serpent speaks, we shouldn't even listen. Let alone trying to figure out what he says. Because he's just going to speak lies no matter what. And you read in uh, John where John, or Jesus talks about the serpent. The, the picture is, I think he used the, the word, there is no truth in him. And the indication is he can't even tell the truth. No matter what he says, it's never going to be true. And so we should just have it in our mind that we're not going to listen to him whatever. So it led to the bad choice, of course, and then she gave to her husband and he ate. And there was something they, they couldn't repair. They couldn't, it, there was no do-over. It became a permanent part of history, a permanent part of their life. On the historical record, could not be undone. I was thinking about this, and recently we had some things we had to take back to the, to the store at the mall. You know how we all, sometimes we buy a pair of jeans, get them home, and yeah, they don't fit just right. Ah, it's not the right color, you know, whatever, a little bit too long. We take them back, right? No harm, no foul. We get the money back or get another pair. But sin's not like that. You can't take it back. It's there. And the only thing that can be done with it is forgiveness by God and by the one you might have sinned against. So uh, just, just something I was thinking about there with her and her listening to, to the evil one. But then Jesus, what does he say when he comes? I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
right? He says, I'll never tell you a lie. I'll never deceive you. I'll never lead you down a wrong path. Just listen to me. Just follow me, do what I say, and all will be well. All will be well. He came to counteract what the devil did and what sin brought into the world. All right, let's jump down to verse 16. After God curses the serpent and causes him to, to crawl on the ground, we see that sin leads to pain and difficult circumstances in life. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for dust you are dust, and to dust you shall return. These things were not experienced before sin. Now they came into the world. Anyone here never experienced pain, sweat, suffering of any kind? Headaches, back aches, belly aches, cramps, busted knuckles, poison ivy, in mosquito bites? How about that? Hot, sweltering days and biting cold nights, broken bones, broken palmuses, broken dreams. And you know, you know, on and on and on. We've got to remember, all of these things came into the world because of sin, because of the devil, not because of God. We have to remember that. Let's not blame God for these troubles. Let's thank him he came to rescue us in the person of Christ. And it's giving us a place to live in where we don't have these troubles. They won't be there, none of them. When Jesus came, one of the things he did was what? To heal. To heal people. He said in one place, I love the passage, he healed everyone they brought to him. He had no problem with it, whatever it was. Broken bone, blindness, lame, issues of blood, death, withered hand. Didn't matter. He healed them all. Shows the promise of what was to come. He says he took our infirmities on himself. And he shared. He shared in the pain, didn't he? He shared in the pain when he went to the cross. He shared in our pain. So to give us life, to counteract the effects of sin. Next thought, verse 22. Sin brings ultimately separation from God. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. 
Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out. And at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. What a terrifically sad moment in man's history. The God who had created the man and made the woman from his side and with whom they had had intimate fellowship was now out of their reach. The fellowship was broken. He was on the other side of the flaming sword and the cherubim. And they couldn't pass. They could not get back to him no matter what they might have tried to do. Holiness and sin cannot coexist. Cannot. This is played out, if you remember, uh, with uh, Mount Sinai. When the Israelites were there in the wilderness and God came down on the mountain, remember? And he said, uh, don't come near the mountain. Don't even touch it or you'll die. And his voice thundered and the people were afraid. There's the, there's the fear thing again. And God says, Moses, you just come up. The same idea. We can't get near to a holy God. Well, what did Jesus do? He came to break down that barrier, didn't he? He came to remove that flaming sword and to reconcile us to God by having our sins forgiven covered by his blood, a propitiation for our sins, so that we could have his righteousness, which is perfect, and what? Come back into the right relationship with God. Back into fellowship with God again. This is what Jesus came to do. Broke down that barrier. All along, you know, our father understood all these things. He knew, I, I feel certain he knew we would sin because it would, you know, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And this is all to demonstrate his grace, his love, his mercy. What, a, what an incredible God we serve. And we need to humble ourselves before him like we were studying in Bible class this morning with David. When he went in and he sat before the ark and he says, Lord, who am I that you've done all these great things for me? Who am I? Our God is great. All right. Next thought. Genesis 4, 25. Sin, big, sin brings grief and sorrow and heartache. Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, for she said... God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain killed him. We're not given much detail here about what happened after Cain killed Abel and, and for, relative to Adam and Eve, but it must have been a total shock. The first death, her son was dead, and then... What happened with Cain? Cain was driven away, wasn't he? And as I understand what I understand and read the scripture, that, sh that Cain had nothing else to do with Adam and Eve. He had to go live somewhere else away from the presence of God. So she lost both sons. 
at the time. They were gone from their life. And so she must have had great grief, and she's very thankful here for Seth, that he is a gift from God and comes back into her life a son that she can love and care for. But it's sin that brings these kind of sorrows, the heartache and the pain, and we've all experienced them through death and other kinds of separation and loss. But we always have to remember it's because of sin that these things are in the world and that, you know, we have to experience those kinds of things. Now, I was thinking about Jesus. Isaiah 53 talks about him being a man of sorrows. Now, remember it. In John 11, what did he do at Lazarus' tomb? He wept, didn't he? He wept at Lazarus' tomb. And I think not just because of Lazarus, because he was a good friend with Lazarus, but just because of just thinking of what all sin had done to the human race, and here we have to endure this. What an awful thing. But he came to be with us in our grief and sorrows and again to give us hope in the future. There will be a place where we won't have those things. And then lastly is generally the bottom line we've already mentioned is sin brings death. Genesis 5, 3-5. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness according to his image and named him Seth. Then the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And so the record goes on to say the same. He lived so many years, and he died. We can live 70 years, but we will die. We can live 80 or 90. We can live 110. But we will die. And that's because of sin. But what did Jesus do? He came to overcome that, didn't he? By his perfect life and offering himself for us. He was resurrected from the dead. We don't have to fear death now. He conquered death. He conquered Hades. He's got the keys. We read in Revelation 1. And so we need not fear death. Death will still come, but we shouldn't fear it because he's made us this great promise that through him there is life eternal and we'll be resurrected on that last day if we are in him. So we see what sin brings, where sin leads, what's it, the effects of sin, and all these things we see here in Genesis that never happened before. And they're all the effects of sin on the human race. So let's remember that these things come because of the evil one and because of our own sin. But then let's remember that Jesus came to, to totally counteract all of that to give us life and to give us hope and to give us a future. If you're ready to 
follow this Jesus this morning and accept the life that he wants to give you, life eternal, to give you forgiveness of sin, bring you back in the right relationship with God. You begin your walk with him uh, to serve him all your days, then uh, we can assist you with that. We can help you move from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of heaven, from death into life, from no hope to hope for life eternal. It's real. It's not just words. It's not just religious speak. This is the truth of God. If you're ready to obey the gospel, you can come. If you want to rededicate your life to Christ, you've been away. We can pray for you. If you're a Christian and you're struggling with anything, we can pray with you as well. So if you have a need this morning, please come. Our brother Jim leads us.